Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Once upon a time, there was a man named Ali Hafed. He was a, a Persian farmer. Uh, and Ali was discontent with his life. He had heard these stories and rumors and whispers of people going off to Africa and finding diamonds, finding mines of diamonds, and finding riches and power and glory. And he began to, to hate his little farm and his life and long for more. And so Ali sold his farm and he set off. He left his family. He set off in search of his very own diamond mine. He spent years wandering through Africa, looking frantically day after day for some sign of diamonds. He made his way into Europe, looking again, desperately trying to find the, these, these elusive diamonds. And he, he, he wound up in Barcelona, Spain, alone, desperate, broken, humiliated, impoverished. And he threw himself off a cliff and drowned. Meanwhile, back on his farm, the man who had bought Ali Hafed's farm was bringing his camels to get water in the middle of this garden and stumbled across in the stream these odd-looking stones. And he began to do some examining and found actually that some of these stones found in the garden in Ali Hafed's old, old farm were diamonds and other precious gems and minerals, and, and, and Ali Hafed's farm eventually became known as the Diamond Mind of Golconda. And at the time, the largest diamond in the world was found right there on Ali Hafed's farm. Ali Hafed, who was living in, in discontentment and frustration with what he had, longing for some kind of diamond mine somewhere, was literally sitting on acres of diamonds. I think Paul has a message here for um, the Ali Hafed sort of discontentment in all of us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've received your concern for me. You've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Um, so uh, this dude Epaphroditus uh, had come from the, the church in Philippi and had brought a gift. Uh, while Paul's in prison, it was the responsibility of friends and family to sort of meet your daily needs, food and, uh, and sustenance, whatever it was. And so the Philippian church is sending this gift to help keep Paul alive while he's in custody. Uh, and so he's, he's, again, sending this letter back with Epaphroditus, uh, rejoicing in the gift uh, that they had sent. Uh, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. 
Um, Paul is, is assuaging their fears in some way, saying, listen, I, I'm not in desperate need. Thank you for the gift, but I'm content. Uh, which, again, is a shocking revelation coming from, from him sitting in prison, not sure about what his future is going to be. And then, and then you as well think about all that he said in 2 Corinthians, where he talks about being shipwrecked and, you know, he's bitten by a snake and uh, all the times he's been beaten and he was stoned nearly to death and uh, the, he's been chased out of cities and started riots and, and now he's, he's in and out of prison. And so his lot has not been easy, but it's amazing that he says that he uses this word, I am content. In the Greek, it's otarkes, uh, which means self-assured. It was this stoic word, but Paul is, is taking this word that's known, uh, and he says, I'm not content, I'm not self-assured because of my own abilities, and I'm not relying on, on what you give me for contentment. Um, his reliance, his, his contentment is actually rooted in Christ. He knows how to be brought low. He knows how to abound in every circumstance. He is content. And then verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. By far the most misquoted verse in the entire Bible. In that context, I mean, it's so important. The context of the letters, Paul in prison saying, thank you for the gift. Uh, I appreciated it, but don't worry about me. I am content. I've been in hunger. I've been in thirst. I've been in prison. I've been in all of these things. I've been beaten. I've been mocked. I am content. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, meaning I can find contentment in all circumstances, no matter how difficult. And we've taken that verse completely out of context and, and, and really highlighted the word all. I can do all things through Christ and and we've really spun it. So if you have that tattooed on your arm or something, I'm sorry to break the news to you, but it doesn't mean that if you're four foot seven and can't walk and chew gum at the same time, you're not gonna play center for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry to break that news to you. That's not what Paul is promising, right? It also means that just because uh, this verse pulled out of context, I mean, if you take it to the extreme, I can do all things through Christ. So that means, I can start a gentleman's club on the moon. Like, no, that's not, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying even, I think even more powerful than that is that we can find contentment in Christ no matter what our current circumstance. Uh, verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Um, not that Paul has a favorite church, but it's kind of like a, a wink, wink uh, little verse here uh, where he's just, again, boasting about how much he loves the church and how thankful he is uh, for their gift and, and for their care and their concern and their love for each other and for him. Even in Thessalonica, you sent uh, help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases, increases to your credit. Um, he, Paul is thankful for the gift that they sent him, uh, this money to help him sort of pay for food and be sustained. He says, well, you know, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But what he's more excited about and more thankful for is actually what it speaks about their faith, that their faith is, is producing fruit, that their faith is showing love and, and generosity. So what he's really thankful for here as he sends the letter back is, thank you for the gift, but I'm even more thankful for the fruit and what it shows about your faith. 
I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Um, I think it's the last little verse here is pretty interesting uh, where Paul sort of acknowledges that, that he's having an impact in the lives of the guards who are chained to him. And I think maybe that's even part of, of his contentment is that he's got this captive audience these guards who were chained to him all day. And so, of course, he's just constantly preaching the gospel to them. And and here we have their greetings coming to the Philippian church, meaning that I think Paul is making inroads into these guards and sharing the gospel, and they're coming to faith. Uh, And so part of the contentment for Paul in that situation is realizing that this isn't in vain, that even this circumstance in my life, as unpleasant as it is, has a purpose and a reason as he has an opportunity to speak into the lives of these guards who are chained to him. Um, coming back to this idea of contentment, I think, I think we will all experience discontentment in our lives. Um, St. Augustine, writing hundreds of years ago, wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless, that restless or, or discontent, until it finds rest in thee. I think God won't allow us to find true rest and, and, and contentment in anything else other than Him. There will always be frustration, discontentment, brokenness, and emptiness if we try and find our contentment in anything apart from Christ because uh, I think God is, is mandated that way to continue to drive us towards Him. I mean, we, we even see it in the Garden of Eden, Eden that, that the work in the Garden is cursed. Uh, after the fall, uh, that, that Adam is going to work by the sweat of his brow and the land is going to produce thorns, meaning in our work there will always be toil, it will always be difficult. And so often I feel like, okay, I've got this one hurdle, this one all-encompassing frustration and problem that I can just get around this corner, this one obstacle, then it's downhill. Then it's smooth sailing. Then it's just free and clear. But we all know that's just never really the case. That we get around the one obstacle and maybe we get a few breaths of uh, relief. And then the next thing comes up. And again, it's okay if I can just get around this thing, then there's relief. And that's just not the way it is. It's part of the curse. There's always going to be something else around the corner that, that, that frustrates our plan to be free and easy and clear. And I think it's because God wants to continue to drive us back to Him and finding our contentment, not in our circumstances, but in Him. Uh, If you could classify our times, I mean, I think our times can can use this word as a title of of discontentment. When you look at at Photoshop, right, and the way that that, that pictures are being doctored and and changed, there's this discontentment uh, with the way that we look, and so we create this artificial impression, which then... Uh, further drives discontentment. I, I read a, a story about the actress Jessica Simpson who was in the Dukes of Hazzard movie years ago and she's frustrated and discontent because people are comparing the way that she looks now to the way that she looks then and she can't compare and there's this amazing irony that even she can't compare with herself. And so we all, we all just live in this realm of discontentment of this artificial uh, image that we're all trying to reach and never can. 
Um, you look at social media and there's this discontentment with our lives as it looks like everyone else is the perfect family, everyone else is the perfect job, the perfect vacations, the perfect relationships. It drives this discontentment and, and, and let alone the advertising that's all around us. We're bombarded by thousands of ads a day and it's really the advertiser's goal to make us discontent with our lives and our stuff so that we buy their product to try and become in some ways our savior and our contentment, trying something else. Maybe this will work, maybe this will work. We live in an age of discontentment. But Paul was not discontent. He was in prison, chained with nothing. But he says that he was content. He knew that God was with him. He knew that he was saved. And he knew that he had a mission to accomplish, even still, even though it was a small audience. He, he didn't need anything else. His contentment was found in Christ who gives him strength. Uh, we were on a, a road trip. Uh, we, were on the, we were pulling our fifth wheel trailer. We had a bit of a sabbatical in between camp and here. And, uh, and, and so we took three or four months and we basically toured the continent. And, and I had this vision in my head of, of what I wanted it to look like. We had Hudson was nine months, Addie was two, and Aubrey was four. So three little kids in the truck pulling a trailer all across the continent. I kept having this vision of we're going to go beachside and park beachside and the kids are going to play in the sand and the ocean. I'm going to sit with a book and there's going to be sunshine and there's just going to be rest and there's going to be this shalom Garden of Eden moment all the way along the trip. And, and for some reason, I kept missing it. It just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. I remember we got to the Jersey Shore, which is this beautiful beach. And I was, I actually, in my head thought, this is finally the moment. I'm finally going to get this peace moment. This is what it is. And I built up this moment and we spent hours on the beach and actually literally the whole time on the beach for hours, all I did was try and keep Hudson from eating sand. He's screaming at me in anger because I won't let him eat sand. This was our perfect beach moment. It, <laughs> I was broken by this. And, and then we began the trip back from the East Coast, back West, and we got all the way back to Kentucky. And I remember sitting on this bench swing while we're doing laundry. I'm at a laundromat. And I remember being frustrated about not having this sort of perfect vacation moment. And, and then God just sort of slapped me. In the moment, he said, stop and just look. Stop trying to chase this unachievable thing that doesn't exist. You have three small kids. Don't be an idiot. And find contentment with where you are right now with the people that you have right now and the opportunities that you have. And it was this real shift in my head where God began to work on contentment in me, not having to, to find this one thing that was never going to be real, but instead just trying to enjoy the moment for what it was. Uh, and it really changed the rest of the trip for me. Uh, and I, if I'm confessing, in all honesty, I struggle with this. I'm always trying to figure out what's next, what's next, what's next. And I think God is calling me and continues to call me here in Philippians to just slow down. Stop being Ali Hafed who has to chase after diamonds, ignoring the acres that I was sitting on before. Uh, that, that, that in Christ, in the moment, with the people around me, in the mission, the opportunity that God has given me, I have everything I need to find rest and contentment in Him. I don't need anything else. I have to stop chasing after what's next and rest in the moment. Um, so I don't know about you and where you're at, but uh, maybe that's an encouragement and a challenge for you here this morning. Um, that maybe, just maybe, as you're, you're planning your trip to Africa, to chase after diamond mines that don't actually exist, 
Maybe look around at the diamonds that you're sitting on. Let's pray. God, we do pray for contentment in you. We confess that we, we want to find it in everything other than you at times. We want to find it in our bank accounts. We want to find it in people. We want to find it in our jobs and in our hobbies and in our homes. Um, but yet you continue to thwart those attempts because truly what we need to do is find it in you. So God, I pray that you would help us to slow down, to seek your face and to find our contentment in your presence in our lives with who you are and what you've done and also the mission that you're calling us into, the role that we have right now. God, I pray that you would help us to shed off this discontentment that we all experience and find rest in you. We can do that, as crazy as it sounds, through Christ who gives us strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you. Have a good day.